You're listening to Friendlier, the podcast for friends who love to talk, read, and eat. I'm Abby. And I'm Sarah. Today we're going to talk all about marriage. But first, let's catch up on life lately. What's new with you, Abby? This weekend, we drove to Asheville and bought a new car. And by new car, I mean a car three years older than the car we currently have. (laughs) (laughs) New to you. New to me, for sure. But with 70,000 less miles. Okay. We got some bad news after a check engine light came on in our Civic that the car needed probably $6,000 worth of work and maybe not quite that much, but it was going to be in the multiple thousands. And so Mm -hmm. I thought to myself, if we're going to spend multiple thousands on a car that is maybe worth $700, let's rethink that Mm -hmm. and maybe think about getting a car that has a little bit more room and a little bit lower mileage so that it can get us through the next however many years. I was mixed about getting a car in general and felt kind of frustrated about living in Birmingham because if we were still in Carborough, we could have just gone car-free, which was sort of always our plan if something had gone wrong with the car there. But given our lives here and how we're still really figuring things out, it didn't feel like we could be carless. So we bought a used Volvo V70 with 92,000 miles for less money than it was quoted to fix the other car. Mm -hmm. And I think our plan is to still drive that one as little as possible, but to have the option, if we need it, to have playdates with new friends and to get to grocery stores that aren't walking distance. It's neat so far. We drove it back from Asheville, but that's really all that we've done. So we'll see how it is. Does it have a name yet? It doesn't have a name yet. It is kind of a goldish color. And so I mm. asked on my naming Facebook group what I should oh, name yes. it with gold-inspired names mm-hmm. preferred. And I got some really good suggestions that I am still mulling over. Okay. You'll have to update us once you have come to a decision on that. I will. What is new with you, friend? The furniture in my living room. Not that I got new furniture, but I rearranged it yesterday, and it is making me so happy. Love it. (laughs) I had a friend over, and we were chatting while our kids were playing, and I asked for her advice on how to rearrange the living room because I had some thoughts about it, but I am not design-minded and have trouble visualizing things, as I think has been discussed at length on the pod before. (laughs) And she said, let's just do it now. And I thought, great idea. Love that. (laughs) We've got a couch at an angle, which is something I've never done before. Mm, Oh, yeah. And it feels like there's more light. It just feels fresh and new. And it has been so gray and cold and dreary. Mm. And it's just making me very happy in these winter days. I love that. I think rearranging furniture when it is gray and dreary outside is a perfect antidote to that yucky weather. Agreed. And it was a great surprise for my spouse to come home to. (laughs) (laughs) Love it. Now let's talk about what we've been reading. Abby, what is your latest read? I just listened to The Witches Are Coming by Lindy West, and I actually Mm -hmm. listened to Shrill first because I had never read that one. And I think you reviewed that in our very first Mm -hmm. episode. 
But I really loved both of these. They are both memoir essayish books, but Shrill focuses more on fat acceptance and women's rights. That one felt much more personal and Lindy West's like internal stuff, even though she talks about society at large. Mm-hmm. It felt more maybe like a memoir. Mm-hmm. And then The Witches Are Coming, which focuses on the current social and political climate and the climate itself, felt more outward. For the public, yes. broader strokes, um, more commentary-ish than memoir-ish. And more of a call to action. Yes, definitely that. So I like a lot about both of these, at least in part because I largely agree with her. Right. <laughs> and everything that she said. So it was really validating. Mm-hmm. But both of these books also made me think. And specifically in The Witches Are Coming, she talks about why she quit Twitter and She makes such great points about it. And I'm a Twitter advocate. I'm someone who teaches scientists to use Twitter for money. Like I offer social media workshops for scientists and I am still mulling that over, but it was definitely really good food for thought. Mm -hmm. I also loved her ideas in The Witches Are Coming about how we could change the rhetoric around abortion in the United States. That felt so inspiring to me. Those were just a few of the highlights But really, I would recommend both of these books for most people. I think people who agree with her will probably enjoy them the most Mm -hmm. and feel the most energized and validated by reading them. But I think her voice is really important for a lot of people to hear. I agree. I read this one in the fall and loved it. It did feel like she was preaching to the choir throughout it, Mm -hmm. but I appreciated her her willingness to tell it like it is mm-hmm. and not spare people's feelings about feeling like they're a good person for having the right views yep. when what they're doing is actually incredibly destructive. Yeah. So even though it feels like she's speaking to other people who think like her, I still felt challenged mm-hmm. by a lot of what she said in a good way. Absolutely. What have you been reading, friend? I just finished The Long Way Down by Jason Reynolds, and this is one that I listened to. It's a novel in verse that is read by the author. At the end of the audiobook, there's actually a short interview with the author, which I loved having right Mm. as a part of the listening experience. And he explained in the interview that he felt it was important for him to read it himself because with poetry, there's such a specific way the author intends for it to be read Hmm. and that he wanted to make sure that that was done. That's so interesting. The premise is that Will steps onto an elevator planning to, quote-unquote, follow the rules of his community and avenge his brother's death, who fell victim to gun violence the night before. The whole novel takes place over a single minute while he's in the elevator going down, making a decision about whether he will or will not kill the person he suspects of his brother's death. Hmm. As he is on the elevator, he has conversations with people from his past who get on at each floor as the elevator goes down. Wow. I loved this book. At the end, during the interview, the author talks about how he's not trying to impart a lesson, but hopes that readers will feel empathy for people and communities affected by gun violence and recognize that we are the voyeurs on the outside of the fishbowl looking in, as he describes it. And I felt that through this book, he really did humanize the people involved both those who lose somebody and the people who pull the trigger. There was not much I didn't like, 
I did have to re-listen to some sections because I found it hard to keep track of the relationships in certain sections. But I think that would, one, be less of an issue in a hard copy because you can go at your own pace. And two, the audiobook was incredibly short. So going back to re-listen was not a burden in any way. Nice. I would absolutely recommend it. It was incredibly powerful and something I'll be thinking about for a long time. I think it's one of those books that'll stick with me. Love it. Now let's move into our main segment for the day, sharing what is and isn't working for us in our marriages. We have both recently passed the decade mark of marriage, and so thought it would be fitting in February to do a check-in. Let's go back and forth sharing different things that are working or that we've learned about marriage so far. The first one that I want to share is that we have learned the importance of taking care of our individual mental health. I would say that Andrew and I have both done better and worse at this over the years, but our relationship is so much stronger when we are each handling our own stuff with regards to mental health. My first one is to always show appreciation. And I realized I really need that. I really need that affirmation. I know you appreciate the things I'm doing, but you have to actually say it. Mm -hmm. I feel like we do this to an almost ridiculous degree. Love it. I don't know if you've seen the Office episode where Jim and Pam go to marriage counseling, and then one of their homework assignments is that they need to constantly acknowledge everything the other person does. (laughs) And when I saw that, I was like, yes, that is us. That is us all the time. (laughs) So good. But it definitely makes a big difference. Another thing that is working for us is how much progress that we have made around money. Mm. We are just in such a good place with it where it feels like we are both managing the aspects of our finances that really play to our strengths. Mm -hmm. So Andrew primarily focuses on investments, sort of more long-term stuff, while I handle day-to-day and credit cards. And it feels so equitable. I mean, this is one Mm. of the aspects of our marriage that it really feels like equally shared. And I think other things feel equitable, but they're not equal Mm -hmm. in that way. Yes. And so this is just a really awesome one where we feel like a real team. And in some ways, I wish we'd addressed it sooner because it was a conflict point for us until even pretty recently. But I will say that if you have money-related concerns in your intimate partnership, it is worth the hard work to address them and also worth seeking support from a professional hmm. if you have access to that and feel like you need it. My next one is to always give the other person the benefit of the doubt and assume the best of them. There's just always so much to do with kids, mm-hmm. and I think it's so easy to feel like you are doing more of the work. Yes. <laughs> When you don't see all the work the other person is doing. Uh And I think I have learned the hard way to, one, see those things and then also assume that my partner is doing his best under the current circumstances. Mm -hmm. And that doesn't mean that we can't address things or change things or be critical of one another, but not to go into it assuming that the other person isn't trying to contribute in the best way they know how. Mm -hmm. Yeah, like if you assume that they're like deliberately being a jerk. (laughs) (laughs) Not great. Never good. (laughs) My next one is how well it works to acknowledge and validate feelings before trying to problem solve. Mm -hmm. I think Andrew and I both have an inclination toward problem solving. 
for the other person. Mm-hmm. And in a lot of ways, that can be good to work together as a team mm-hmm. to try and solve a problem, whether it's you know an individual problem or something that's in the family or in the partnership. But it's working so well for us to start with that acknowledgement and validation and then moving on to checking in with a phrase like, how can I support you? <laughs> Rather than jumping straight into, let me fix this for you. This is what you should do. <laughs> mm-hmm. I really love that phrase, how can I support you? I think that sometimes we focus so much on acknowledging and then I'm like, no, but really I need answers here. <laughs> Fair. <laughs> and that finding that right balance. But I love that question that feels very... Let me check in and see how I can support you as opposed to assuming that they want the problem solved. So it seems great either way. Right. One way you can support me is to continue validating my feelings. Another way is to brainstorm. Another way is this thing I already have in mind that I can tell you how to support me. Like it (laughs) really accounts for the whole spectrum. It's very open-ended. And you're right that sometimes the answer is just keep listening to me. I'm so sad. You know? Mm -hmm. And it's great. Yes. It's like you're already doing the right thing. It's another chance to sort of validate your partner that they are doing the right thing or doing the thing that you need. Mm -hmm. The next one I have is also a phrase. We always check in with each other before giving any kind of negative feedback or constructive criticism. So we learned very early on in our relationship to say, can I tell you something? (laughs) (laughs) To let the other person know. Something's coming. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. It alerts the other person that there is something the other partner would like you to change or do differently. And I can't think of a time that either of us said no, but having that moment to adjust my mindset and then open myself up to hearing what Neil has to say without being defensive is key. Because if I'm not expecting it, I think it is easy to become defensive, Mm -hmm. even when I don't need to. And Whatever Neil's saying is valid and I am open to changing, but having that chance to say, okay, I'm about to hear something. Let me get in a place where I can really do that has been great for us. Mm -hmm. So you mentioned defensiveness, and I think in partnerships, one of the main things that can cause that is critiquing the other person's family of origin. Mm -hmm. and. I think that Andrew and I both do a really good job at hearing critiques about our families without taking it personally. And I just feel really thankful that he and I are both in a place for that. Mm -hmm. And it is so nice when you have frustration with in-laws to be able to express it to your partner and then have them validate it to an extent. Mm Mm-hmm. And I think that diffuses it in a way that's really hard to do otherwise, because not very many people can validate that experience of being in that sort of intimate relationship with these specific people. Right. If I have frustration and then Andrew says, yep, I think that would be really frustrating, Mm -hmm. but he's not mad that I'm frustrated about that family member of his. It's just really nice can also really feel like you're on the same team then. Yes. Because I think there's always this really complicated relationship of growing up in one family and then creating your own family and how to have boundaries with the new family that you created, but then still maintaining strong relationships with families of origin. It's Mm -hmm. very complicated. And I think 
having that sense of our partnership is first and we'll figure out everything else is essential. Totally. Another one that we have recently started is having a planning meeting. We did this for the first time last week. Neil took a couple hours off of work and came home while both kids were in school. I ordered Chipotle for us. We sat around and talked about all the things we don't usually have time to discuss. Part of it was very calendar specific, making Mm. sure we're on the same page about upcoming dates and that things were in his work calendar that were in my personal calendar and things often fall through the cracks there. And then part of it was more general conversations about what we're looking to accomplish in the year, what our goals are, how we can support each other. And felt like a really great check-in that is hard to have without making it a priority and setting the time aside. Totally. Along those lines, we have loved our yearly visioning that we have done pretty consistently throughout our marriage. We still haven't gotten to it this year. But it is so uniting to envision what you want the life of your family to be like over the coming Mm -hmm. year. It's so nice to have that sort of artificial fresh start of the new year. I just am really thankful for that. I also like the idea of doing it even more often, making it a -hmm. twice a year, you know, so maybe we could do it with the school year and with the new year or something like Mm -hmm. that. Kind of like you and I do, Sarah, with our mid-year check-in. It would be nice Mm -hmm. to do that in our family, too. Mm -hmm. I can see us having another one going into the summer because that's such a change in Mm. how everything is split and what's happening in our family. And that just making sure we're on the same page going in. Nice. My last one is not something I would wish on anyone, but having gone through such hard health things in the last year, I just feel this deep well of gratitude for Neil. Mm. He's just so steady and supportive. And it's hard because there was so much of all of that that is just on me, that no one else could make those kind of decisions Mm -hmm. about my body. and about what risk I'm comfortable with. Mm -hmm. But I can't imagine having gone through that with anybody else. And I just regularly thought that all of last year. He's a good one. Those are all the things that seem to be working really well for us. But of course, no relationship is perfect. (laughs) So (laughs) let's share some of the things that are not working as well and that we're hoping to improve. I do not think I'm doing a great job managing my emotions when Andrew is frustrated at one of the kids. And I am not sure that he has the best reactions when I'm frustrated at one of the kids either. It's a hard thing. It is so hard. And listeners, we're going to do an episode on co-parenting. So listen for more of this truth telling. But (laughs) I think we each get annoyed about different things the kids do. And my reaction when he's frustrated is to try to step in to separate him from the kid you know, sort of to diffuse, Mm -hmm. which, I mean, that is the fixer in me. I sure need to work on that. But his reaction when I'm frustrated is to try to back me up verbally, which is so (laughs) ineffective in my (laughs) eyes. So I think both of us do not love that reaction from the other person. So we definitely have some uh, work to do there. Mm -hmm. Kids definitely make it much more of a challenge. When Neil and I were chatting about this episode, he was like, well, having kids. <laughs> Not working. Everything's harder. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, but aren't they so great? <laughs> I mean, yes, and he's right. Both of you are. Both and. 
one thing that is not working for us is finding time for us. Mm. The fact we had to schedule that meeting a few weeks out in order to get together without kids and have a conversation doesn't feel ideal. Right. I think it's been hard with the kids going to bed later where we used to have consistent evening time to hang out. And now it feels like we're managing our kids' bedtimes, which can be incredibly frustrating for one or both of us. Mm. And as introverts, also wanting some downtime to ourselves. And by the time those things are accomplished, it's often time to go to sleep. Yeah. So one thing I'm really hoping to do is schedule regular time out for us. Mm -hmm. And I think because we like being at home so much, it's been really easy to justify not having a regular babysitter. Mm -hmm. And the money has been a barrier for me that when we like being at home, it's hard to justify spending the money. Mm -hmm. But I need to get over it. And that is a goal of mine for 2020 to have regular babysitters, use them, or have regular times when the kids are in school, mm. going out to lunch every other week. A day date. Exactly. Yeah. Something to work on. So you mentioned bedtimes. We do not have a problem with our children's bedtimes. My children used to sleep 7 to 7 when we lived in Eastern time, but their body clocks have stayed the same, and now they just sleep 6 to 6, which mm -hmm. I do not love getting up that early. But that means there's a lot of adult-only time in the evening, even for people who want to go to bed early. I will say that where we are struggling with bedtimes is that Andrew has been doing really well going to bed early and then waking up mm. early to like do yoga or go for a run or something like that. But with me needing to work, I often end up having to work in the evening because Plum is not in school yet. So this month she's starting school. I think that probably by the time this podcast comes out, things will be better in this realm. Mm -hmm. But not going to bed at the same time as my spouse means that we miss that sort of spontaneous mm -hmm. social time where we're both reading or I'm trying to talk to him in bed while he's reading, which is sometimes <laughs> what happens. But I think that's a sweet part of our relationship that is lacking right now. Yeah. Another opportunity for growth in our relationship <laughs> is figuring out how we want to share the emotional labor of our lives. I find there are a lot of things that are on my plate that take up that mental load mm -hmm. that is often hard to see. And I think what I really need to do is figure out which things I am doing because I want to do them. Because mm. I do think there's a lot of that that I like having knowledge of and control over mm -hmm. that I don't want to split between us. Yeah. But then there's other parts of it that just that's how it's always been. And I think those parts make me feel resentful that it doesn't feel more evenly shared. Mm. And this is obviously from my point of view, because I think there's a lot of mental load things that Neil carries that mm. I don't see, and that putting it all on the table and thinking through that so that we can, one, see what the other person is doing, and then also take on the things that we want to be doing mm -hmm. and sharing the ones nobody wants to would be positive all around. Yeah. Another topic for a future family meeting. Exactly. <laughs> I thought we'd end by sharing advice that people give that you hate. <laughs> <laughs> the piece of advice that I really hate is 
to prioritize date night. Mm -hmm. I think that there is a difference between prioritizing time that nurtures you as a couple, whatever Mm -hmm. that looks like for you, and this idea that you have to have this prescribed go out to dinner, go to a movie, leave your children Mm -hmm. home with a babysitter thing. I just feel really resentful about the sort of strictures that puts on the things that I enjoy in my life. Mm-hmm. And there is financial pressure there that I really yes. felt when we were in a less good place with finances, mm-hmm. that it felt like we were going to blow all of our fun money in one go, right? getting a babysitter and going out to dinner for the whole month Yep. versus what we have figured out works for us is maximizing the use of our children's early bedtimes, mm-hmm. getting a special drink or a treat that's just for adults. After the kids go to bed and playing a game together. And so I Mm -hmm. think some people would say, oh, that's what I meant by date night. But I mean, I do think that there is this cultural sort of idea that like you need to be getting out Mm -hmm. if you are really nurturing your marriage. And I disagree. Yes, I am right there with you. And I think that's why I've been struggling so much with the lack of time, because the things that I want to do are what you've described. Yeah. But the fact that my kids aren't falling asleep until close to when we fall asleep Mm -hmm. is very limiting. Totally. I wonder if the answer in our case is still me getting over some of my money hangups mm-hmm. and having a babysitter during the day on the weekend mm. or having a babysitter that takes the kids out to do yes. something fun so Love they're that. getting to do that while we're getting to be at home, which is mm. what we both prefer. Because I think it's so hard for me to be excited about doing a quote unquote date night when that's actually not our preference for how to spend our time. So. Yeah. Sarah, what's the advice that you don't like? I hate when people say not to go to sleep angry. (laughs) I love going to sleep angry. (laughs) Tell me more. I don't actually mean that I love going to sleep angry, but when I am tired, that is not the right time to engage (laughs) in a productive conversation. I know I will feel better. All the things that are irritating me They might still be an issue that needs to be discussed, but that extra emotion that's in it will have dissipated by the time I get a good night's sleep. So the idea that I should somehow stay up when I am my least rational self arguing with Neil so we don't go to bed angry, one, I don't think it would work because I think I just get angrier and angrier until I get some sleep, (laughs) and two, just seems awful. Bad idea. Not going to work for our relationship. (laughs) I love it. I love staying up and fighting. (laughs) Not that I actually love it, but it is really hard for me to sleep when I'm angry. Usually what this looks Mm -hmm. like is Andrew can go to bed. He can go to sleep. But then Mm -hmm. if I go in the bed, too, that I'm just like harumphing and tossing and turning (laughs) and honestly having a really hard time sleeping because my emotions are so high that even if we can talk some and maybe solve a piece of what we're doing, then I'll actually be able to sleep. Yeah. I think that it is so not how Neil communicates that when I am so enraged, that's just not a way for us to move forward in any of it. And I think I sort of like going to sleep, feeling justified in my anger. Feeling righteous. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But then in the morning, I'm ready to engage and move forward. So... It's a win-win for me. (laughs) To each their own. (laughs) Indeed. Let's end the episode by sharing something we've been eating lately. 
I'll start by sharing something I made for Christmas this last year. Mm. I was trying to think of things to have for Christmas dinner that are easy to prep ahead and delicious. I've talked before how I don't like a traditional Christmas dinner in terms of me needing to prepare a giant meal with all the sides. Totally. Why would I want to do that on Christmas? I would not. I do not. And I will not. (laughs) (laughs) And we've tried different things for a while. We were doing enchiladas. And this time I decided to do appetizers. Oh, I love appetizer dinner. Mm -hmm. So good. So we made a seven-layer bean dip. And then I also made a giant amount of spinach and artichoke dip, Mm. which I think no one liked as much as me. So I got to eat it for many days following because I made a really large batch. It was wonderful. That's great. And I love spinach and artichoke dip, but I had never made it myself. It was very simple. All the cheesy, creamy things that you would normally think goes into it, baking it in the oven. And I ate it with little pieces of bread that I toasted in the oven. Yum. And then later with chips. What have you been eating? I want to share a very quick sort of prepared food dinner that all came from Trader Joe's. So we were shopping yesterday and on the way into Trader Joe's, I just searched Trader Joe's dinner ideas and came up with an article that suggested this combo. They said, buy the Trader Joe's shawarma marinated chicken, mm-hmm. the Mediterranean salad mix, which is like broccoli slaw and some sliced up lettuce and cabbage, but then also has roasted chickpeas and sun-dried mm. tomatoes and red wine vinaigrettes okay. and maybe some feta. Then I bought garlic naan because it looked nicer to me than the pita. It looked like fatter, mm-hmm. more delicious. And then the Trader Joe's garlic hummus. The chicken... I just did in the Instant Pot their chicken thighs. So I put some water in the bottom, put the rack, put the chicken, Mm -hmm. and did five minutes. Super quick. We did it after we got back from the park yesterday, which was good because we stayed at the park much later than I had planned. (laughs) And it was still ready really fast. And then Andrew and I ate it over the salad, but the kids just had all the components separate. Pepper ate so much hummus. (laughs) He probably ate half the little tub of hummus himself, which... I loved. So it was a hit for everybody. And it was super quick and easy. Sounds delicious. That's all for this episode of Friendlier. It's been great talking with you, Sarah, and with all of you listeners. You can find us on our website, friendlierpodcast.com, on Instagram at friendlierpodcast, or email us, friendlierpodcast at gmail.com. Until next time, may your books be engaging, your food delicious, and your conversations friendly. you're going to be in here, you need to stop meowing. It's like you're going to have to cut out so many meows.